Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of freelancers. Today on the show, we've got Jonathan Schubert, Schubert Studio, and uh, he is a incredibly talented, badass, Dallas-based uh, designer. Did you say illustrator? Yeah, yeah, illustrator, illustrator well. designer, yep. illustrator. You can check him out at Schubert. Is it Schubert or Schubert? I mean, you can pronounce it Schubert if you want. If you're French, okay, you can say it like that. Schubert Studio. Schubert. Schubert no, Studio. Schubert, Schubert Studios. On Instagram. The Schubert Studio. The Schubert Studio. Definitely yep. check them out. Um, welcome to the show, John. Yeah, Thanks I'm excited to be here. here. Took us about two months to get here, but hey. Yeah, excited. you know, you've taken us a couple of years to get here, really, because yeah. we've been working on the show <laughs> off and on for a while. Been on hiatus. It's nice to finally bring it back. Glad to have new stuff coming out for you. Um, John, why don't you give us just a little bit of intro on yourself? I'm really... Kind of give us like what you do yeah. and kind of how you got there. Like give us in a nutshell your story of how you got into freelance and what that's been like. Dude, you got it. We'll kind of start. I'll kind how many, of start how many episodes do you need? <laughs> um, well, hello everybody. My name is John Schubert and I am a Dallas-based freelance graphic designer and illustrator. And um, I've lived in Dallas my entire life. I went to school at UNT, studied com design, which is basically graphic design and advertising. And then um, got my first gig at Fossil way back in the day, like in 2010. Uh, had an internship there. And then got hired full time and took on freelance on the side, did a whole lot of moonlighting. And then basically decided to leave Fossil, went to work for Tractor Beam, which is an amazing studio here in town. And uh, after that, I was like, well, I got too much freelance to keep doing this by night or by weekend and decided to go off on my own. That's like the truncated story for you, I guess. Yeah. How long? <laughs> Nobody's so, ever asked me Okay, that. so first, just to uh, provide a little clarification for people a little bit, moonlighting is, uh, basically means do you have a day job and you're doing more, you're doing, you're, you're doing it at night at or, night or on the moonlight weekend. or on the weekend. That's yep. the term moonlighting comes from. So it's pretty common for people that are freelancers to start out working for some sort of a firm or an agency and they'll moonlight for a while until it gets to a point where that work is so overwhelming that it's starting to bleed into the work life or whatever. And it's just, they got to pick one or the other. Yeah, I mean, you just said it. You said it better usually. than I did. I just didn't really think it through all the way. <laughs> hey, dude. It's okay. Yeah, that's exactly what, what it was. Okay, and then you said uh, com design. Is that like communication? Yes. Communication okay, so design. So com design, communication yep. design. Cool. Uh, how long? And so you said since 2010. So you've been freelancing, or I guess you said you started Tractor, or no? So so, so I was you at started at Fossil. Yeah, let me clarify. In I, was at, I was at Fossil from 2010 to about 2015. And then in the summer of 2015, I got a really good opportunity to go to Tractor Beam, uh, which is, a, like I said, a great studio here in Dallas. They have tons of talent. Uh, I learned a ton. I learned a ton at Fossil and Tractor Beam. And then uh, decided that I had to choose between continuing to work at a studio or just going off on my own, taking that risk. And I was like, you know what? The risk is worth it. Let's do it. So that's what I did. So then you've been doing that for, so how long have you been like, oh, full-time freelance? Since 2017. Yeah, since 2017, a couple years. So I guess you weren't freelance. Were you working at Tractor Beam whenever we met? It's been probably four yeah. or five years ago. Well, I've been going, I've been going to Houndstooth Coffee since 2013. So 
It's probably uh, I don't know. I you maybe 2014 yet. Did you have longer hair back then? I think you I did. did. Longer yeah. hair, longer beard, less tattoos. Yeah, right, right. All the things. The, the beard will probably come back. The hair will probably come back at some point, too. It's a good look. You have a good look. So, um, Tractive Beam is also a great firm or agency. What do you say? It's a firm design if anybody, shop? If anybody from Fossil or Tractor Beam are listening, two great places to work if you're a graphic designer. Amazing place to, to learn, to gather actual world experience on either end because Fossil is more of a, like a corporate place, whereas Tractor Beam is a small studio uh, that works with corporations. So I was in-house at Fossil and Tractor Beam was obviously a smaller team. So a lot more responsibility was placed on myself and the other designers. So, yeah, good I will experience. say I've I've heard that I've I've like I've heard the name Fossil come up quite a bit. Um, I think part of it's because they're you know they have offices here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. But I mean I've had quite a few friends that have worked there, and everybody seems to have had a pretty decent experience as far as I can tell, or it's been good for them. They've learned a lot. Um, and then, I mean, Tractor Beam, I've heard nothing but good about. We go, I've been to the Dallas Society of Visual Communication show a couple <laughs> years in a row, and Jonathan Schubert and Tractor Beam freaking clean house on no, taking man, awards. I got home. lucky this year. Got super lucky. Well, how, what, how many awards did you take home? Three? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not counting, but, you know. I mean, I am. A few. I had to have my fiance hold, hold a few, so. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, they're great. So, uh... Yeah, you got to get Did more specific go, with me because I okay. you tell me We're, to give a summary. I'm like, well, oh, I know. No, we do me. a summary so that we can yeah. start diving in, so then you I can it. start picking it apart. Yep. Being curious about what happened. So, with your like, in, so you went to school. Did you just like go to school right after high school? I did actually, and I I skipped a part. I went to ACU for a year, Abilene Christian University. So my uh, <laughs> my whole family went to ACU, and I was like. I'm the oldest of three brothers. I got to go there. And it's a very good school. A lot of really good, like really talented artists and graphic designers actually come out of this small private school in West Texas. But for me, I just was like, eh, it's just not for me. I got to go, you know, I wanted, I wanted to pursue graphic design. So I looked up, hey, what is, what is the most challenging, demanding program in Texas for graphic design? And ultimately, even though ACU had a ton of really talented folk, it came down to UNT and Texas State, in my opinion. Uh, UT has a good school too, but anyway, went to UNT. How did you, what was your, so, I mean, you said you looked for the most challenging program. How did you go about even like that whole search process? And what was that that like made it like the most difficult or challenging? Like what were you looking for? Well, I mean, honestly, I wanted to be away from home. So going, so I'm from Dallas. So going to UNT was kind of like a step in the wrong direction if you wanted to be away from home. Uh, but I visited UT because my brother went to school there and quickly found out it was more of a fine art school and not really a, not really a uh, craft design school. Like there was no focus on actual design. It was all advertising and fine art. So I was like, well, can't go here. Also. Uh, I'm not as smart as my younger brother, so I can't go to UT anyway. <laughs> it would take me a little bit. Um, you know, I was one of those art kids in high school. So, um, yeah, but I just did a lot of reading and found out that UNT had the best graphic design school in Texas. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's go there. That's cool, So man. that was that. So then whenever you were there, what, did you feel like that, that they prepared you well for the business side of stuff? 
or was it, or is it solely just to be design and art focused? Was it even yeah, a, a business? Because something I've heard that comes from, like I see a couple of different like schools of freelancers. Like there's freelancers like you who go to school and then they go work for places, do internships at companies, and then get start getting freelance gigs. And eventually it takes over to where they're able to go out on their own, but they don't really necessarily, sometimes they don't have the business backing or, or like understanding because they didn't ever really learn that in school. <clears throat> um, That's a good question. School, in my opinion, did not, did not teach me the business side of graphic design. It was more of the, the conceptual processing side and the, the work ethic side. Ultimately, though, uh, and I think perhaps I've put too much emphasis on, on school up to now because, honestly, the experience that I received, you know, at places like Fossil with the people that I worked with and came into contact with, networked with, and then definitely the two years I spent at Tractor Beam, roughly two years, um, you know, that, that was an insurmountable amount of business experience because you get to see how a studio takes care of business. And then, you know, you apply that, like for me, when I went off on my own, okay, now I gotta apply some of that to my own uh, personal freelance experience. But, you know, ultimately all the, all the administrative stuff, you just have to, you have to figure out how to do that on your own. I mean, it's like taxes. I mean, luckily I have an uncle who's a CPA, but you know, you wanna keep track of all that? You wanna save money at the end of the year on your taxes? Well, you gotta keep track of all your expenses and know how to categorize them and all this stuff. And then, you know, invoicing, people are always like, hey, uh, do, you, do you invoice yourself or do you have like a, like a software or, you know, whatever that does that for you, like a spreadsheet or do you have like an outsourcing unit that does it for you? And I, you know, I have my own template. I invoice, keep track of it. Um, it's, uh, it can be tedious at times, but it is, to answer your question, it is something that I had to kind of learn on my own. I don't think school taught me enough about uh, the business side on my own. So, Do you, with your experience with school and the things that you learned there, the things outside of it, if you went back now, would you go to school again? Or would, do you think that you would take an alternative route and still be able to end up in the same place? Do you think it was worth the time and the money? I hope none of my professors hear, hear this podcast. Uh, uh, so my, my, my view, uh, some, I've mentioned this on some of the other episodes, so listeners, if, bear with me if you've heard this before, but I, the way I kind of look at it is, is like, school is great for some people. Some people need that organization and that structure and those people in place to help keep them accountable and push them forward. Other people are more self-motivated and driven and are able to identify the things that they want and find alternate methods of learning that stuff, which is kind of where I tend to find myself. And so for me, I dropped out of college because I got to a point where I was like, man, I feel like if I spend my time learning the stuff that I want to do and spend my money buying gear instead of buying classes, that it'll be better worth the investment. But that's for me. And yeah. so I'm always interested to hear from people that have gone through the whole process if it's something that... So, so that's a very good point. I actually know a lot of people who, in contrast to myself, are in, are in exactly the boat that you're in, who, who didn't go to school, didn't need to go to school, just knew what to do, decided to invest the money and the time and just trying to get it done, and boom, that's a career. So I guess my answer is, do I, th my answer to your question, do, do I think you need to go to school to, to do what I do, or to you know, have a career in the, generally the creative arts? Well. My answer is no, I don't. I don't think you have to go to school. I, 
I went to school and the things that I picked up at UNT in the common design program are, you know, because of my experience, things that have pushed me to where I'm at today. But that doesn't mean that it's the only way to go because I see, honestly, plenty of the people that I'm inspired by, like day to day, like the other designers and studios out there that I love, that I always look at, half of those people, if not more, they didn't go to school or they had a, they had a career in something else before they decided to do this. So uh, yeah, I don't think you have to go to school. Definitely not. That's my answer. Okay. Yeah. What, what um, you mentioned that you, like with your invoicing and stuff, that you have like spreadsheets and you keep track of stuff. Are there any specific, well, like I, I would say tools, like what are the different tools that you use to kind of keep track of all that stuff? A calculator. A calculator. It's great. I mean, do you're using, no. are you using like, <laughs> are you using Excel? Are you using... It's a creepy joker laugh. Are you using uh, QuickBooks or some sort of like web-based invoicing system? Literally or? none of those. Um, okay, I'm going to give a shout out to some friends. Uh, Chad Michael Studio, he has told me to use QuickBooks and I still... And he's actually, by the way, just a quick shout out to somebody else you should have on the show. Chad Smith is uh, a fellow Dallas... He's not a freelancer. He has his own studio, but he's he's on his own. He wins awards at DSVC, and uh, he gave me some really good advice when I went out on my own, and uh, I'll be forever grateful for that advice. But also, he told me to get QuickBooks, and I didn't get it, and uh, I just use InDesign. I keep track of all my incoming invoices, and uh, I have a color coding system for the invoices I send out whether they're paid or unpaid, and also also exempt from Texas state sales tax, which is a thing if you're a Dallas designer, you have to pay Texas state sales tax. So beware. So I have color coding, I have uh, a spreadsheet in InDesign, and I also have just my, my anger if I don't get paid. So that's how I keep track of it. <laughs> so with, with the color coding, are you in uh, in InDesign? That's an interesting way to do it. Do you? So I'm guessing you just manually do all the calculations and enter the numbers in. So the color coding is just by the file. I just just put by the, the file. Color dot. So do you doing? Like, Has it been paid? Cool. Are you doing separate InDesign files for everything? Or are you pumping out a PDF? Yeah, do you literally. Have like a template I, I, that say, you, well, I feel like I feel like people are gonna laugh at this, but no, nah, dude. I, I literally I literally send out a PDF. I customize a PDF. It takes about, it takes 30 seconds to, yeah, to customize the, down. It's the actual quick. template. I send it out as a PDF and there it is. But, so then you, you know, I know there is the thing is, hang on, before you, before you make fun of me on this, no, there's, no, just there's tell not the like listeners, a right or wrong way. Well, there is. I just want to know what your way is. I know there's a, there, there's an easier way to do this, but I personally like having a custom invoice that has my design sensibility on it which if you ever hire me I'll send you an invoice and you'll see it but yeah I like that so I, that's how I do it that's cool man <laughs> yeah. I love I love how there's such a wide range of ways that people do things and I think that that just speaks so much to the creative nature of people in the creative freelance fields specifically because there are so many different tools out there and there's so many different paths and so many different ways. There's not necessarily specifically a, like a right way or a wrong way, but it's a, how does it work for this person? And 
coming up with like creative solutions to be able to get to that. Totally agree. Um, it's you know, there's a lot of things that I do that just aren't. They, they do not save me time. They definitely they don't waste me time, but they're just you know they're not the fastest way to do things. And it, you know what I found out when I went to a studio. Uh, well, when I went to Tractor Beam, uh, there was a there were a ton of people around me, and by ton I mean everybody else that worked there, who knew how to do something more efficiently or faster than I did, and you know that's that was kind of the benefit of working with so many talented people, is that I I kind of miss that. This is kind of a roundabout point, but I I miss being able to collaborate with people who can show you how to do things differently. But you know. Yeah. You get into a system of doing things, and honestly, the, the biggest issue for me is just keeping uh, the work I do as fresh as possible, making sure I don't do the same thing over and over again, you know? Because right. lots of clients out there that want you to do that, like, hey, I saw what you did over here. Can you do the same thing for me? So, is what it is. So then with, do you also send out, um, like, pitch decks? Or do you design like um, proposals that that like mock up nice looking ones in InDesign or whatever, and send out like a multi page like a pit proposal of like, hey, here's some ideas or inspiration or anything like that? Or so by pitch deck, do you mean uh, trying to get a project that I haven't haven't officially been asked to do yet? Or? I mean, not no, not necessarily, but even just maybe a client a potential client or somebody, a lead hits you up and says, hey, this is kind of what we're wanting to do. What would this cost? Or what would the project look like? Do you just send a proposal of like, hey, hey it would cost this. Or do you give a like, uh, you know, send an email that's like, hey, it would cost this and this is the process. Or do you design up something that's nice and be like, hey, here's kind yeah. of what we've talked about. Here's what I propose. Here's some like inspiration that I would go. Yep. Here's the payments. This is what the payment process is. What's I'm, your like process with that? Yeah, kind of? I'm with you now. I, I know what you mean. Um, so to all the freelance graphic designers, pitch deck, you didn't know, not a big deal, but pitch deck usually means like, oh, I'm trying to do some free work and see if the big client and, you know, wherever New York City goes for it. But yeah. Um, but no, I know what you mean. So for that, uh, I usually do not accept any new work until I have given an estimate, usually via email. If it's, it, so I'll put it this way. If it's a client that's big enough, like if it's a corporate client that is going to respond positively to, hey, here's an entire PDF of like, here's the breakdown of what the project phases would be. Here's what they cost. Here's an estimate. Oh, and here's another thing. I never give a flat rate unless it's like 100% certain in my mind that I can give a flat rate. No big deal. Usually I give an estimate because the estimate, if the client sees that and says, okay, I'm okay with you know X to Y to Z, then that gives you license to kind of not box yourself in financially you know, in terms of compensation. Do whatever you want to do within that budget and then you can charge them, you know, roughly 50% up front first, and then whatever it ends up being on the tail end, you you charge them the rest. That way, if you end up doing more work than what you originally said you would do at a flat rate, the estimate kind of gives you the broad range. Right. Anyway, this is kind of a, a deviation, but so, so but, but with some so with some you'll put together that PDF and send over. With some I will. With some I just say, hey, here is my minimum. Here is what I think the average range of this project is going to be. 
And if you're okay with that, let's continue discussions. And then before I begin a project, I always, I always ask for 50% up front, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, even with the big corporate clients, because honestly, those are the ones that are going to take 90 days to They're send you your money. They're going to take so long to pay. Maybe you could tell us about so this. So long yeah. to pay. So yeah. I've heard a, I've heard a few things. It's in happened regards. to me, dude. It happens. So there's a few. So one, I know that businesses, bigger corporations, they run in cycles, like payment cycles, and so like there, so payment has to be like invoices have to be submitted by certain dates to be to fall within certain pay periods, and so if you fall without outside of a certain pay period. It's going to be bumped until yeah, the next take one. It's going to month or whatever. Whole, you know, is, whatever. Yeah. And a lot of times, some of the bigger ones will run on 30 day cycles and we'll do what's called net 30. Whereas, like a freelancer like me, like I typically do net 15. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting payment in 15, 15 days. 15 is my, my time yeah. limit, too. But yeah. it's a very common to come across companies that is a standard of we pay in 30 days. Yep. Like that's what it is. Or, um, 30 days maybe from the date that the invoice is processed. And so maybe you send the invoice, but it's still a week before payroll gets processed. And so then at that point is whenever it gets processed. Um, yeah, and so then is, it's like 30 days after bullshit. that. I've heard that from one person, I, I, have no, I have no verification on this, so this is just really hearsay at this point, but I have one person that I've worked with um, over the years that uh, said that he talked to somebody that worked in accounting or something at a company one time and basically found out that, that they will try to keep the money in their accounts as long as they can to accrue yep. interest on that money. And so they'll yep. wait as long as they can to pay that money out yep. because it makes them more profitable. So I've heard this. But I don't know. I've also, heard, I've also heard they pay the smallest fish in the pond last because they know that yeah. People like you and I can't really do much about yeah. it. Yeah. Or or you know, there's also we're charging millions. Or there's also that like, well, if they don't want to work for us again or do that again, there's plenty of other people out there who will. So we'll just go find one of yeah. the other ones that's cool with waiting all the time. So so to that point, and this is kind of a thing that I'd love to talk about with anybody who's listening, if you're a freelancer, you should always if you think you can get away with it, if you really want the gig and you're okay waiting 30 to 60 days, maybe 90, as in the case of Entertainment Weekly, who I will never work with again because it was an absolute nightmare. All the magazines out there, they don't pay shit and they don't pay on time. So it is what it is. Let me just say that. Whether it's Men's Health, Entertainment Weekly, Outdoor Magazine, I've worked with all of them. They all take forever and they all, you know, they pay under what I would what I would like for the project, but I do it because I'm like, cool, this could be a cool relationship. Yeah. Anyway. That's a tricky situation though. It is. Because you kind of get into what I've found in those kind of situations is there's part of me that's like, yeah, I kind of want to take this, but then at the same time, there's also like, but fuck, if they refer a client to me and I build a relationship, like they're probably going to refer a client that's like similar to them. And so then I feel like I start getting this string of clients that are like that. And I'm like, ah, but I don't really... Yeah. Like, do I really want that? Maybe it's cool to have the name on the, you know, I don't know. You just got to feel it out. I mean, honestly, like every, people ask me like, hey, how do you know? It's, it's twofold. It's the people who come to me for work and like, hey, do you have a price list? And I'm like, no, not really. I just, you know, you tell me what it is you're looking to do and I'll give you an estimate on it. And then fellow designers are like, hey, how do you decide how much to pay for this and that? And the truth is when you start freelancing, you just have to, you have to decide, okay, what is my time worth? Is my time worth $25 an hour? Is it worth 50 an hour? Is it worth 100, 200, 300? 
you know, and I think as you, especially if you start in your 20s like I did, as you, the ratio of how much extra money do I want and need and how valuable is my time currently is what decides what your budget is. So you figure that out and then over time that changes and then when the demand becomes really high, you start saying, hey, my budget is going up 500, or my minimum budget is going up $500 because demand on my time is such that like, I don't have time to take on the three requests that I got today for somebody who wants a logo for $500, $1,000. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah. I'd, I'd rather reel in the 2000 3000 $4,000 budgets. And I'm like, hey, that's great. That's a couple of those a month. You're set. And it affords you the ability to spend more time. Yeah, you really get to do good. Like you really get to do your best work because you're not having to rush through projects. Because this stuff yeah. takes it takes a long time to do creative work. It does. It totally it's does. It's not a cookie cutter process. There's not a like, oh, this is how it is, and we'll do this, and it'll be done, and it's going to take this long. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, that's why. Yeah, it's been. I, I never. When I so hey, let me back. Let me backtrack. I'm sorry. This podcast is going to be terrible because I'm just all over no, the place. No, it's going to be great. But. Because uh, you're on it. Yeah, great. Yeah, right. That's what makes it great, John. Nobody asks People me like questions you. usually. I hope you guys get something from this. But, um, you know, when I started freelancing, I had no idea what I was doing, man. I was just, I was like, yeah, I need to make some extra money because guess what? No offense to Fossil, but my starting salary at Fossil was, uh, you know, it was what it was. And... It was between thirty and forty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> so, I was like, "Well, that's not enough to go to the bar every weekend when I'm 24 and 25 and 26." And uh, you know, started freelancing on the side because I wanted to do the work that I was interested in, and I wanted to make extra money. So that's kind of what you know. You do those first gigs, and it's like, "Well, I'll take on this for 300 bucks. I'll take that on for 500. Take that on for 700." But eventually, you do that enough, and you stay up enough late nights and work weekends, and you're like, well, my time is, is now worth more because you've built, that, you've built that base of clientele, and you've built that network, and you have word of mouth, and then you start getting like three inquiries a day. So, and then you have to kind of like weed it out. So how so, do you, you don't have to talk specific numbers if you don't want to, but how do you price projects whenever you give an estimate what is like what no, goes through your head yeah what are the questions that you ask clients to be able to get to the point of knowing this is what it's going to take to do this to figure out during the discovery phase and totally, all, like all what's that process look totally like? totally happy you? to talk numbers i mean i so with clients that i really love that i'm totally chill with uh like you know shout out to grazi down in austin which is a really cool wine brand if you're in austin go check them out they're usually on the east side um, I love those guys. I will do, I will, I will work for them for less than my minimum, which these days hourly is about $200 an hour. That's where I want it. Um, because I like the relationship and it, it doesn't have anything to do with like, Oh, I just, I need to make as much as I can make on right. this, on this hour. You know, you look for the wins. Look for the wins, man. You look for the wins in the relationships, right? It's yeah, not always exactly. the same. But yeah, it's a, but, it's a I mean, win still, for everybody. It's a bit of a balance because... It is. Because you, you only have... One out of 10 is going to be one of those win clients where it's like, hey, this client is going to treat you right. It's going to be awesome work and they're going to pay you fairly. 
that's like a that's like a two out of ten, one out of ten client. Well, I don't know, maybe one, maybe 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 half the time if you're lucky, but most of the time it's going to be somebody who wants something twenty five percent under the budget that you would do it for, preferably, but you still take it on and you make the most of it until you're Stefan Sagmeister or uh, or Tractor Beam. Or, tractor uh, beam. Tractor beam. There is no other. The tractor beam. You know, it's too bad I don't work there anymore because of the German accent, that was me. Mr. Schubert. Schubert. Schuberto. <laughs> no, it's Schubert. The tractor beam. His legacy will live on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you just got to feel it out. It's like, what is this, what is this project worth? Like, you know, if... If somebody comes to me and says, hey, I saw this project you did. I want a bunch of t-shirts just like that. Okay, well, that's not going to be... I'm going to get as much as I can get out of that if I even want to take it on because there's no opportunity to do something different. Right? So it's like, but if, but if I get a client who's like, hey, like I had a project recently. Hey, uh, my name's Dom. I'm the chillest mofo in the world, which he is. He's never going to hear this, but... I live in Australia, I surf all day, and I want you to brand one of the first kombucha, hard kombucha breweries in Australia. And it's like, well, that is a good project. And you know what? If you want it for a little bit less, I'll probably still do it, or I'll get the budget I want out of it, and then I'll go extra on the project because it's a great opportunity to, right. to do some awesome work. Right, normally you would stop at the point of whatever the budget allows for. Exactly. So exactly. to kind of circle back, what is... Um, so like if a client hits you up, what is your process that looks like to, from the time that they hit you up to figuring out this is what the number is, how do you, how do you figure that out? So usually, yeah, and I apologize because every time you ask me a straight You're good, question, man. I'm We're like, well, let me talk about this instead. No, man. This is a great so, yeah, rabbit let me trail. Stay on topic. I love so, it. Client hits me up. Uh, my, my usual response and I, you know, back to saving time. How do we save time? I still have not created a standard template response email. I should do that. My fiance tells me I should do that. I haven't done it yet. But I usually email. I actually find that a personal email that doesn't sound like same. a boilerplate. Usually, not every project's the same. Usually a good thing. Yeah. So that's why, that's probably why I still do it. So I email back. I say, hey, I assess like, okay, my timeline for even beginning this project could be, you know, two weeks, three weeks. Is it four weeks away? Four weeks means I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm busy for the next month, um, which actually right now is one of those times. But that's what happens when you're a badass designer. Well, it happens. Man. I don't know about that. It could Put just be that, out there. It could be that too. It could be that my style is getting too common and too many people are coming after me. So we'll see. Time will tell. But yeah, cheers. Anyway, Cheers. sorry. Continue. I, I, you know, I had to play the devil's advocate there. So, <laughs> uh, so client comes to me. I say, hey, this is this is the um, this is the amount of time it would take for me to even begin on the project. And then I say, you know, they usually say, like, hey, do you have a price sheet? How much would it cost to do this? Half the time, I have to say, I don't know enough about your project to give you an estimate. Please send me more information. And I'll be able to, you know, send me, tell me kind of briefly what the concept is, what it is you want me to do, and then I'll be able to give you an estimate on the project. Uh, if they've given me enough, I say, okay, well, if you just want rough numbers, I would estimate anywhere between, let's say, 2K 
and 5K. And then if you really want to take it to the next level, it probably costs you about 8K. Like for instance, I work with restaurants a lot. Some restaurants just want only the brand marks. I do that for like two or three K, more or less, uh, for like a good, like a solid brand. If they want an entire, you know, menus, signage, uh, all the tchotchkes that go with restaurant branding, whatever, usually that ends up being like eight, nine, 10 K because it's a more robust project. So you give them, and you can put this in a brief, you can put this in a, like a project scope. Wow, I can't believe I just told everybody my numbers on a podcast, that's great. Um, put it on a scope, put it on an email, give them an idea of what your rates are. I tell you what, half the time, I never get an email back. That's it, that's the end of the, the conversation. Do you ever follow up with them when that happens? Never, because if they, I have learned back in the past, I used to, if there was a project that I wanted, and I still do this today, like if there's a project I want and I haven't heard back from somebody, I follow up and I say, hey, uh, just wondering what you thought. And sometimes that is a good idea. And they come back and they're like, hey, oh yeah, I just meant, I forgot to get back to you, but I definitely want to work with you. Um, but half the time, if you don't hear back, I'm not worried about it. It just means they, they don't have the time, they, they don't have the money that I would need to do the project the right way. You know, and I, I find that a lot of people that approach uh, branding, you know, they, it's, it's really easy these days because they get on Instagram and they, they see all this content, you know, and that's kind of the downside of Instagram. They think, oh, there's so many designers out there, dime a dozen, let me just hit somebody up for 300 bucks. It's a $300 project. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't. There's no way I can make time for this, you know? Yeah. It, to do good work. You can't. Yeah, you yeah. have to, you got to be able to pay bills. You got to be able to actually put the money, in, I mean, the yeah. time in, like. But, so I guess the, the, the lesson from your question that I, would, that I would put out there is that yes, 100% always answer any inquiry you get, whether you do it at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I get annoyed when I have to answer in the middle of the day because I'm just trying to do stuff and it gets in the way of oh, my dude, process. Oh, dude, I don't do it, man. Yeah. I have certain days or like first thing in the morning and then after that, it's like, nope, I'll get it later. Yep. I've gotten to where like a Monday, Monday is my like do all the bullshit, balance the books. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are like post-production days. And then Friday is like clean up around the house, do yeah. any like special projects where I need to build something, God, if that, gear needs work. That schedule sounds so nice. It doesn't that's, happen that's every amazing. week. I'm not able to consistently stay on it as much as I would like to, but at least having that like framework in place has definitely helped my life and my productivity, I found. No, that's good. That sounds, that sounds really great, actually. I have a Monday actually. checklist yep. that I go through every Monday. And so that it's like, I go through all my stuff so that I know I have it all done. When I have bills due, I schedule it to be <laughs> on my, my Monday checklist. Yeah. That on Monday comes, it says pay these bills. Anyway, enough about me. Dude, I hear More that. About I, mean, John. I, I honestly, I try to take Mondays somewhat easier than I do the rest of the week because, uh, well, one thing, my fiance has the day off, so it's kind of nice. Hey. And we just got to, oh, damn. I mean, why would you want to spend time with your fiance? Yeah, but yeah, but we also got a dog recently, so it's all about the dog. Right I now. love so dogs. It's all too. the dog. Dog's getting all the attention. Um, but shout it's good to have a dog. Shout out to all the dogs in the world, huh? I said shout out to all the dogs in the world. Yeah, dude. Yesterday was International Dog Day. That's what I heard. 
Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Anyway, uh, at uh, at risk of losing our listeners, I guess we should continue <laughs> to the next point. Yeah. Um, damn, I had a question, but it's slipping my mind. Well, so let me say this just to follow this up because I, I didn't say what I was really going to say. Uh, I That schedule sounds amazing to me. Some weeks are like that, but then again, some weeks are, holy shit, I got to get all this work done. Boom, 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 boom. Five days a week. But the good news is it's better than when I was at a studio or, or a corporation working in-house doing all the freelance at night or on the weekend. Because now I have weekends, I have nights, and, you know, I feel like that's it's one of those things once you get into your 30s, you're like, well, I mean, depending on what you have going on. But for me, I, I got to 30 and I was like, well, I got to make a choice between am I going to go full-time freelance or am I going to keep doing this at night? And honestly... I realized I can't keep doing this, you know, on the side. Like, I yeah. need to start spending time on the other things in life besides my career that mean something to me. Do you so. do you set boundaries as far as, like, when you work or where you work? Or when it's, like... like I do. What, is, how, what does that look like for you? I do, but, you know, that I, I want to disclaim that that is not at all how you have to do it. I, I'm kind of an anomaly because... Um, because of my experience working at companies, uh, you know, in-house at Fossil for five years, uh, Tractor Beam was a lot looser with their time, which is really cool about Tractor Beam. But at the end of the day, I've always been kind of ingrained with like, all right, you wake up in the morning, you want to meditate, you want to drink coffee, you want to watch the rainstorm, do that for an hour, play with your dog. But then between sun, sunrise and like five, six, that's that's the time that I personally like to work. I don't like to work outside of like 6, 7 p.m. Because, because the time that I put towards the work is usually very intense. And I've actually found that working for myself, I actually make more use of the hours that I have during the day uh, because I have, I don't know if it's like <laughs> ambition or, uh, or the fact that I have a mortgage now or whatever, but I fill every hour more or less. Like some, you know, some days I'll take, like Friday, Monday, I'll take like a lunch, I'll go do something uh, with a friend or whatever. But you know, I, I actually prefer being undisturbed. I have a home office and I, I actually don't prefer to work at coffee shops. It's just, for me, it's too much distraction. You know, it's like people that you know, hopefully if it's a cafe that you like, like I see you at the cafe. Houndstooth. Houndstooth. Shout hey. out to Houndstooth. Shout out Houndstooth. Shout out Shout to Jettison, where I went before this, which is why I'm having a hard time answering these questions. My apologies. But uh, Shout you know. out to Booze. What's up? <laughs> Shout out to Booze. Jack, where's up? Where's the next round, man? You got another you got another bottle over there? What's the deal? I'm on it. Shout out to Jack <laughs> refilling our wine over is here. That, is that okay? Yes. There are a couple of bottles. Cheers, Jack. Jack, Jack's here, everybody. Round of applause. To Jack. Yeah, I I have found it really helpful. Like the last few years, I I I was like really willy nilly with my time for the first few years. I've been freelancing full time for just over six years now, and for the first probably four or four and a half, I maybe even the first five, I just kind of worked whenever there wasn't really any boundaries, any of that stuff, and so. Like I got to the point where I was like, 
I couldn't stop thinking about work. I would, tr- I would go to sleep at night with my head racing. Dude. I would wake up first thing yes. in the morning, yes. my mind fucking racing. Yes. And so it got to the point where I was like, dude, I can't do this. I need to take breaks. So I started setting hard, hard stops where it's like after like five or six, I'm done working for the day. Yeah. Like I don't work yeah, at yeah, night. Yeah. And then it got to where it was like, no, I need to have a day off a week. So Saturdays, I don't do Saturdays. Every once in a while, like dude. right now I'm doing some stuff for a basketball team and they have games on Saturdays. Well, so sometimes I got to do it. I'll try are, to those supplement. Those are personal projects that you've it's accepted a little bit different. into your life. Yeah. I've, I'm right. prepared for it, but by and large right. Saturdays, I don't work. I don't check email and dude, like, I mean, I pretty much work six days a week otherwise, but just yeah. like you were saying, man, like I get up in the morning, I drink some coffee, yep. I spend, I read some books a little bit, or I meditate or pray. I hang outside with the dogs for like 30, 45 minutes, an hour, eat breakfast, go in and then get going. Because How do you do? I don't. So, okay. You work at home. You have a home office and I have, and, and let me, I'm just, I'm going to brag. My fiance and I are very, my fiance's name is Shalini. She's amazing. Uh, we just bought a house in Winneka Heights, Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas. I see you. I'm in the Cedars tonight, but you know, Hey, Oak Cliff. I would love to own a house over there someday. (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited about how my home office situation has shaped up with the new house. Uh, extremely excited. Thank you, Jack. Cheers. Cheers to Jack's for your drinks. Jack, More drinks. Jack, Jack. Jack, who doesn't have a drink himself, but it's okay. He's got one. Jack Cheers. got a drink too. Drinking that red wine tonight. So y'all. casual, so cavalier, but guess what? It's going to be a good podcast. So, home office, I will say, as a, as a native Texan, sometimes in the winter I get a little stir crazy because, well, now I have a porch, so that's good. So I go sit on the porch. Occasionally in the morning when it's nice, I answer email like today. I went outside, took a phone call, did email for an hour and a half, which was totally awesome. Uh, I love being able to sit there with my dog too and just watch the sun come up. So, you know, like I, I, when I was in my 20s, I used to get up as late as possible and, you know, get up with the bell essentially as Thoreau would say, if anybody's a Thoreau fan out there, get up with the bell. As soon as I woke up, it was time to go to work. I didn't have any time for myself. And then I'd come home, and then it was time to freelance. So now that, you know, a little bit older, I'm like, well, I do want to sip that coffee and think about nothing for 30 minutes. I want to play with my dog. I want to smoke a little, drink a little at night. Who knows? So, yeah, man, boundaries are fucking important, let me tell you. So It's how do very you, important. How do you... How do the, it's a, part of my, my curiosity is if you're working at home, how do those boundaries exist? Because okay, what I actually, found, I, I mean, maybe it's different being in a house compared to a loft. Because part of the problem I had was I used to have my bed set up and my desk in the same room in my loft, one big open space. And so at the foot of my bed, five feet from the tough. foot of my bed was my, was my desk. Yep. I wake up in the morning and sit up. The first thing I see is my computer. I sit down to meditate in the morning Dude. and what I see is my computer. And I just like, it got towards like, I can't work when I'm at home. Every no, once in a I, while, but for the most part, I go to a coffee shop. I have an office that I go to. So how do you do that and separate that? You actually brought up a lot of, of very good points. And I, I totally have felt the way that you, the, the way that you felt when you had that, you know, one living space that was both your office and your, your home all at once. And it was, you know, there's no way to block that view. Luckily for me, my office is at the very end of the house. 
So it's great. I have to walk down a, a, a massive hallway. Well, excuse me. I don't live in a mansion, but <laughs> the way the house is, is set up, it's like I, the bedroom is in the back. The, the office is the second door in the front of this uh, 1945 craftsman bungalow Massive style house. Massive hallway. Massive. It's basically Trump mansion. It's great. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so luckily for me, if I want to do work or if I am at home, I, my office is literally the, the far corner of the house, which is nice. Um, back, back when I was first starting freelancing full time and even when I was working for other people, uh, it was very easy to to feel like I could not separate myself uh, from the work. But honestly, I don't think it's about, it, it is about the space that you inhabit, but I also think it's about how much you care about your work. Because I'll tell you what, if there's a project that I'm super into, I'm going to wake up on a Saturday and that's like, that might be the first thing I think about. Like, as much as I wanted to separate myself from it on Friday, I wake up on Saturday or Sunday, and inevitably, I turn to Shalini and I'm like, hey, I, I, uh, I want to spend two hours doing this today. I kind of want to do this. Yeah, kinda. yeah. I kind of want to do this today. What do you think? But you still Saturday. have a separate, like, space for that. I do. Yeah, so and it's nice. It's not, okay. it's not a social space, which I have other freelance friends, like, you know, the, the writer here in Dallas from England named Jonathan Thompson. Uh, you should interview him sometime. He's, he's good. He's at WeWork uh, downtown. Okay. Cool space. I love the space. Lots of good people there. But I'm like, well, I can't, I, I don't want to work there every day because I'm going to be distracted. And honestly, when I, when I do my thing, I like to have no distractions except a good podcast or a good audio book or some good music. That's about it. Or silence. You know? So you better off like for you not being around people versus not all, like not all the time. It's definitely a yin yang balance. Have you sure. ever have you ever like joined co working spaces or worked at a co working spaces versus coffee shops before? It's a good question. I'd be interested um, to see like what your if you have what your kind of experience or thoughts between the two are. I like coffee shops, but as soon as I was twenty five, I started to realize I like coffee shops because that is a in my opinion a place to go to socialize, like, like not my opinion, but in my experience. That's where I like to go talk to people that are in the same industry as me. You know, uh, people that are in the neighborhood, like the Houndstooth neighborhood in Henderson where I lived for four years, I would see everybody that I wanted to see in the morning right there, it was great. However, uh, when it comes to co-working spaces, I actually felt, <laughs> I don't know how Tractor Beam's gonna take this, but I felt like Tractor Beam was basically a co-working space. Like, it, it was one company, but everybody's so close that it's like, well, I mean, there were ways to get privacy, but it was kind of like a common work area. And, and I was friends with everybody that I worked with, which was great. I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. So y'all are like chit-chatting and cutting up all day. Yeah, all day. Take and a break and go grab coffee for 15 or 20 yes, minutes. which was great. And, and honestly, like in a, in a company setting, I would suggest that every company is kind of like that because it it's just human. You're not going to sit around with a bunch of humans and not talk to them. Yeah, it really helps unite stuff. And really those like off yeah. those off topic like moments around getting coffee for 15 or 20 minutes, those conversations is really where some of the really badass things that happen spark. Exactly. Is because you're talking about stuff and you're like, "Oh, what if we did this?" and they're like, "Oh, but what if we actually did that thing?" Exactly. But this way or whatever. And exactly. 100%. So 
Yeah. Anyway. Continue. So, you know, like, it, and it's funny because I look back in those days at Tractor Beam and the thing that I'm losing by not working in a, whether it's fossil or Tractor Beam or co-working space with other graphic designers or even photographers like you or glass blowers like Jack. Uh, by the way, everybody watch out for his, uh, his glass work. It'll be coming to Dallas very soon. Um, <laughs> He's laughing. Well, I'll take a drink for a second to stabilize here. Wine, not. Ching, ching. Ching, ching. No, but what I lose is the fact that I can't, I can't lean on anybody for, you know, opinion. Like, you can, you can kind of, you can, yeah, or just the banter, right, that happens in a, in a studio space, like a common, common space. Uh, you know, like Flock is a really cool place that I've, I've been to a few it times. It is, dude. You like that? Yeah, uh, Justin's <laughs> coming on later this week. Justin, what's this? Clemens? Oh yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, I've had Wade on. Hey Justin, Lisa. Yeah, Flock's a cool space, yeah. man. Oh, Cliff has a lot of really talented folk. So, I guess I guess what I feel like now is, hey, I live in Oak Cliff. It's kind of a it's kind of a common freelancer neighborhood. Maybe I'll just chat with you guys at the coffee shop. Okay. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, so you, for me. But you, you like go to coffee shops in the morning a lot, right? I do. And or like go and around to and socialize to get that socialization. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't just stay at home all day. Like there's no way. Yeah. Do you do happy hours that. after work a lot or anything like that or go out? Or what do you do in the afternoons or evenings after you get off? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a 32-year-old engaged man. So most evenings I just hang out with my fiance and watch Netflix. But... Uh, <laughs> Netflix and chill. Understood. Netflix and chill. But yes, like tonight is actually a nice break from that. Uh, it is Friday, by the way, everybody. No, it's a Tuesday. It's, uh, it's a Tuesday. It's totally a Friday. It's totally it's a Friday. Well, Friday. maybe I just said it was Freelance Tuesday. Friday recorded Friday. on a Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, Jack Jack is serving his drinks, so we're at a bar. Jack's last name is Daniels. So, um. No, but most most nights, to be honest with you, I, I do like a chill night. But I go to the gym three times a week. I know you can't tell, but I'm working on it. That's good, so, man. Yeah. It's all these drinks, man. They do they do add up. So they do add up. Man. But yeah, this is cool. Most weeknights I like to chill. But in the morning I get out, go say hello to some people. Get it's back to work. That's interesting, man. I love it. Because it's so it's cool to see the diversity with different people and how different things work for different people. And I think it just speaks so much of, to the fact that there's no like one way, you know, like yeah, you I hear totally these agree. stories and you try to figure out, okay, how did this person make it quote, you know, quote, unquote, make it whatever making it is. How did they make it? And then try to replicate that. But it's like, dude, you hear all these stories of different people that are all freelance and full time. They're all doing badass work. They're all making good money doing it, but their stories and their paths are all different. There's definitely similarities and there's stuff that can be taken away from that. But like, for like, I mean, that works the way you do. It works for you. But for me, I couldn't do it. You know, like I need to be around people. So for me, like I got to have that co-working space, but that I have an office. So if I need to get away, I have that. But it's like my, but yet we both arrive in the same place of we do freelance work full time. This is what we do. Yeah. And, and would you like to change that? You don't want to go work for somebody else, do you? You went through school, you you went to these places and all this. I dropped out. I didn't work at any of those places. We still ended up, it's like, there's not one Exactly. And what I would say, you know, to, to anybody that's like trying to freelance right now is just, I, I honestly, not even that I'm the greatest example of a freelancer. I mean, Casey, your host, or Jack is probably a better example than me. 
But what I would say is, it's most important to do the kind of work and do the things that you love to do. Because I'll tell you exactly what brought me to freelancing was the fact that I was not satisfied doing day to day what it was I was doing. And it wasn't even about, you know, like it was great to make extra money, but I had no idea. It was a pleasant surprise when I went off on my own and found out, holy shit, I can make more money doing this than I can working for somebody else, which is great. It's an amazing reality. I finally whispered into the mic. It's a secret. Don't tell everybody, but it's true. (laughs) You can make good money and do the things you love. Yeah. All day. The people out there exist that want to pay you that and will pay yeah. you that. Well, yeah. You have to do the work. It's not just going to come to you. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. You gotta, it's not you gotta, easy. It takes time. It's yep. painful. Yep. It's tedious. Yep. But and damn, let me tell the you, for seven years, seven years, I worked nine to five, at least nine to five. You know, sans vacation days, which here in the United States, as you all know, it's not the same as Europe, but because of the freelancer culture, it's getting better. Cheers to that. Cheers to that, bro. I've been doing it, like I said, six years, man, and it's only, like, I just took a vacation a few weeks back for the first time, like, a true Where'd you go? getaway, uh, Spain and Germany. Damn, son, I didn't see that. Yes, nice. that was dope. Nice. But, so, I, like, it's crazy that I hadn't done that in that long. Yeah. And well, it's just yeah. been, like, it's taken that long where, I mean, really, like, this year's been a really good year. And there's part of me that's like, oh, I finally made it now. I'm finally making really good money and now I'm there. But there's also like, because it's taken, it's taken a long time to get here and it's been, it's incrementally grown. And I've seen that. It's just a, so just first off that, it just takes a long time, right? Yep. But yep. then beyond that, I'm, there's part of me that's like, okay, cool. I'm doing well now. But like, you know, next year could really suck. And it could, especially with, could really um, suck. I don't know. Especially with, uh, somehow it always works out, you know, all of our current, politics and all of this China trade war. You never know what's going to happen. And Brexit, shout out to Brexit. It never stops. Just keeps going. No, but yeah, you never know what's, you never know what the next year is going to be like. You never know what the next month is going to be like, the next quarter. I call it um, being perpetually unemployed. Well. I will say, if you can find a way to get repeat business or find clients that give you a lot of work, because that's what I've had this year a bit Dude. more. And yeah, man, it's a game changer. What? Okay, contracts. Yeah, and things like that. What do you do? Most of the time, I don't. And this is probably the first straight answer I'm going to be able to give you in this podcast, because uh, it's such a simple answer. Most of the time, I do not make clients look at contracts, sign contracts. I find that the ability to put 50% down up front is as good as a contract. Doesn't matter what size, because think about it. If somebody wants to only spend a grand on a project, if they give you 500 up front before you've done a damn thing, that means that they, have, they actually have the money they say they have, and now you're going to go forward and do your work. And by the way, there's a disclaimer in my invoice after the 50% has been put down, seven days after that happens, even if a client backs out of the deal, that's still my money because it's kind of like scheduling a hotel. You're investing in my time. Yeah, so it is blocking your time off, you're planning for it. Exactly. What, uh, but you're doing like, ultimately all your work, you're billing out by the hours, right? You, you track hours or how do you do it? I actually, I actually, okay, so I, do I track hours? I don't, I don't actually track hours, 
what I do is kind of keep a mental checklist of like, okay, because I, I actually, this is actually a good question. I break my days up into half days, not quarter days, but half days and full days, yeah. right? Yeah, same. So I'm I like, do that too. yeah, like photographers do that yeah, I do too. Yeah, do that too. Yep. Right. So, you know, if, if something is less than a, a half day, I'll tell somebody, okay, I'll do it by the hour. Uh, and, and that client that I would do that for, it has to be, has to be a good client. It can't be somebody who just comes up to me and is like, hey, you know, a couple hours of your work. What do you think? Because there's no opportunity to do good work in my, in my business. Yeah. yeah. My, you well, know, so my let's just pause. I want to, I want to kind of shed some light on some of this for a second. Cause I feel like it can be taken a little bit the wrong way. Potentially if yeah, people sure. are like, Oh, you're only working an hour or two hours, but you're charging a half a day. Well, that's bullshit. It's a good Why? point. Well, here's the thing is that there's other work and stuff that goes into that time before you can sit down and do that work. There's administrative work. You can't, you're not, you can't just like, I can't, I can't necessarily just work on two projects and I'm going to say I've got two projects yep. that are going to take me two hours and a half a day is four hours. I can't sit down and do two hours on one and two hours on one and do my best work because it's like, no, no, it no. it's draining. It takes it's, a lot. And it's like, yep. I got to sit down, get my mind ready and get going. And then I can work for, you know, if it's a couple hours, it's a five, if it's six hours, whatever it is. And then when I get done, before I move on to the next project, it's probably at least 20 or 30 minutes of me shutting my brain down, yep. kind of emptying stuff out and getting in the right headspace for the next project that I'm working on. And so with that time spent, like if I'm working on a project for two hours, it's probably going to, you know, it's not realistic for me to really be able to get two projects knocked out in a half a day if it's a if it's really a, a no, sizable no. Like thing you're saying like, let's, let's put that into real terms right like eight eight to nine to ten you're doing one thing and then from 10 to 12 to lunch you're doing the other i would never do that there's no way the the only thing i could do in a half day is two very kind of menial like like, okay, like, like revisions maybe exa- like something so like hey can morning. you change this and this yeah. needs to go like this color instead it, and you're literally like, okay, what you just up. said like, is it's not, what I, it's what not I have like, to do tomorrow it's not morning. stuff that takes mental processing and creativity because yeah. here's the thing is that we have in a day there's like a finite amount of decisions that we can make and when we're working on the creative stuff it's a lot of decisions and we're really thinking about a lot of different variables. And so it gets to a point where you're just kind of out of those. And it's a lot like, like yeah, think about lifting weights, like just... think about lifting weights. Yeah. Like you can pump a yeah, lot yeah. of iron, but dude, you're not going to, you got You're not going to be able to pump as hard the next session. Nope. If you try to do another workout right after you get done. And that's wow. You, you actually brought up a really good point. And this, this week that I'm currently in is a good example of what you just said. I've got about three days and I, I forgot how they're kind of spaced out, but we're already on Tuesday, so that's two days down. Three days, so at, at the beginning of the week, I kind of do what you do, I, I assess like, okay, what, what are my objectives this week? What do I have to get done? What do I want to get done? Sometimes it's not even what I have to get done, it's more what do I want to get done so that by next Monday, I have full horizon to do X, Y, Z, on the other projects I have yeah, this Yeah, you're month. thinking a couple weeks out at least. Exactly. Yeah, same. So, yeah, so how do I plan this out? You you probably schedule shoots. You're talking about glass and blowing the glass. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I had to throw Jack into this again. <laughs> Maybe we'll start giving Jack a mic at some point. Yeah. Anyway. He says so, no. I feel like it, I feel like it should happen. Mystery guy listening yeah, over here. So, but three days out of this week, it's not heavy lifting days. It's not like, okay, 
I'm going to do some real conceptual thinking, some visual research, and some typographic exploration, which really, if I'm being honest, the key to success in my work is definitely the typography. I just got to, you know, it gets so tired of using the same typefaces all the time. It's true. Jack's laughing. I understand, man. You get to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, I've used I've this, seen one the same so thing many times. Over and over and over again. Yeah. If it was the same brand, that'd be one thing, but it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, but everybody's like, hey, I saw this brand that you did. Can you do something like that? Love that typeface. Oh. Anyway, get tired of that shit. But um, yeah, so two days out of the week at least, maybe three if I'm lucky. It's a heavy lifting day. And that's the kind of day that I just, I clear everything. All right, I have, maybe I, I get up and get coffee. I go to Houndstooth, take my dog for a walk, water the fucking lawn, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. Owning a house sucks. You got to think about I, all that shit. I envy that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but it takes, watering the lawn, it, I don't have to do it today because it rained, but doing that will take an hour out of your day at least. Yep. For sure. Just like answering emails or whatever else. So, you got to take all this into account, but essentially, a heavy lifting day is, okay, the whole day is cleared for just one project. Because you don't know how long it's going to take you. That's the other thing getting yeah, into yeah. it, right? Because maybe you, you want to spend... It takes you, you two hours, or if it takes you seven hours. Yeah, it's you want to you spend extra time on it. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, what I mean is it's, it's easy to, to fluctuate. Like, one heavy lifting day might take, oh, four hours, you're done. It just came to you. And then the other one might be like nine hours. So... Just depends. Yeah, and so then it just becomes safer. You just don't try to plan those things on all in one day. Yeah, the the further in I get on this freelance game, the more I'm like, well, I can't really. It's it gets more difficult to schedule because the. Well, how do I put it? I mean, it's like I feel like for me, I feel. I feel like I understand where you're getting at. It's like the deeper you get into it, the more nuanced things get and the more you notice yes. little minute details. Well, and because and you've, so those done, little you've bitty done things certain takes, things before yeah. and you don't want to do that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're and digging so for you're, something deeper. You're digging for something deeper right. and it just gets more and more detailed right? Because, because you start seeing and looking at these same things over and over and over so much, you start to notice smaller little things a little bit more. Yep like how round a corner is if you're doing design work or the texture of it or the way a shadow falls. Is it a little bit too hard? Is it too soft? Is that the right tone? Uh, maybe this should be a little yeah. bit more wide in that. Maybe I need to also, shift the huge also to... because of social media, how does the work that I'm creating today relate directly to the work that other people are creating? And how yeah. it's like... Uh, Where is it going to live? How does it need to be... You know, you know, how can I design something in a way that works well in all these like different places? People complain about that aspect of, of social media and design and photography and, and whatever else, but I actually think it's a good thing. And I think it's no different than a bunch of artists in Paris in the 1920s looking at each other's work and saying, hey, how should I do it differently? Or how should I relate to you, Picasso? How does this writer relate to that writer? It's just on mass. Yeah, you know I mean? we're it's in a new world, of, man. It's, yeah. the, it's, but it, it, makes it, it makes it easier to be a freelancer. So yeah, it's interesting because it's, there's so much more that just gets brought to light now that that has a platform that didn't before. Right. It's not that it's not that there weren't shit tons of artists before. It's just that only it's like fewer had a way to be in a place where more people had access to it. Or now it's like I can be nobody in a small little town out in the middle of 
the sticks wherever. Yep. But as long as I got an internet connection, I can connect with the rest of the world. Dude. Before. And, and yeah. everybody in the world can see my stuff, dude. And that was not the case 50 years ago, 20 yep. years ago, yep. even really, you know? Like, you had to go into town. You had to be going to the print shop to meet the other people that are there placing orders or looking at paper samples yep. or whatever it is. Yep. It's, I agree. I mean, it, and so I think we're coming, we've come into this new digital era and the internet and we're having to learn how to kind of like change with that. We're, we're the ones that are getting older and having a hard time dealing with new technology oh. coming along. Right. Well, that's what I think. 100%. I, if I haven't already, which I definitely have, uh, that'll be the disruptor in my, in my world, like, which is funny because the whole, so I want to give a shout out to dribble and, uh, Instagram probably didn't going to hear this at all. Neither will dribble, but uh, as a freelance graphic designer, if you are not utilizing Dribble, Behance, or Instagram, you definitely should. And even if you're not sure about your your own work, you don't think it's up to par, or whatever. I just think you should start putting. Do you out get the work stuff. off of there a lot? Off of those? Oh, half of my work these days comes through Instagram. I don't even have a website because I've been putting it off because I've been having too much trouble keeping Isn't up with the actual projects. Isn't that how that works like that? That's yeah. a, that's. Half I'm my in inquiries are, are Instagram, and the other half is uh, a little, you know, portfolio site called Dribble that I keep my work on. So that's it. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't even need an actual website. Yeah, because there it is. Instagram is it. It's interesting. Like, there's a lot of people that I know that do freelance work, or that just like like me, dude. I'm in a similar position where I haven't hardly had time to work on my website because I've been so busy with work. And it's just like so. So then, do you even need a website? That's the question. I mean, I've wondered because, like, it. Part of me, it wonders because all my work is word of mouth. But I do think it helps. I do yeah, think people. I do helps. think people look at it. It helps. I do think it's like having a story. You got to have it, right? You got to have it. Now, maybe people don't contact you because of like it through it directly. Maybe people never mention it. But I would maybe ga- they I, see it and they see your Instagram link and then they message dude, you on Instagram. I would That's imagine people at some point probably look right. at my website. I yeah, haven't checked numbers well, in a long time, but I mean, I was, I've always consistently got hits at least a couple a day. I don't know where they come well, from, but somebody's looking at it, you know, and yep. it could be people like potential clients that I'm emailing with. I've just been waiting for, uh, for you to just tell me that you want to shoot my entire portfolio for free and then, uh, then I'll have a website. It'll be great. Well, maybe if you'll do some uh, design work for Freelance Friday, <laughs> we could maybe strike up a little yeah, there you barter go. deal here, sir. Yeah. I'm all about the barter. There you go. There you go. TBD. Just a joke. Got, all right. So to everybody listening, I would never ask him to do anything for free. Definitely a joke. Just wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Freelance ain't free. But I will tell you, there's a, I, wait a minute, wait, I, want to, I want to take this further. Freelance is not free, but there is a certain freedom in it. And it's very nice. Yeah. And I love it. It's a different kind of freedom. People see freedom in a couple of different ways. Yeah. Some people see freedom in let me go to a job from nine to five and know that I'm going to make X amount of money. And that when I'm not there, I'm done working. Yeah. But other people like get me tired of being abused. find freedom in being able to choose when I'm going to work and where I'm going to work and what I'm going to work on a little bit more and have the uncertainty of like work being there, money being there. Somehow yeah. it always ends up working out. I feel like I'm resourceful and creative and it's, it's kind of a fun, like exciting challenging it, it game. Is. It, it keeps you sharp and it keeps you hungry. I mean, 
I mean, sometimes it keeps you hungry. Sometimes you're like, wow, I have way too much to eat. So that's great. Uh, but I will, I will say this in terms of design. I don't want to throw any studios under the bus. But I do personally believe, because of everything we're discussing with social media and, um, you know, potential clients' access to talent, whether it's, whether it's photography or graphic design or advertising, whatever, yeah. I do feel like the, it's the freelancer's world these days. It's, it is, it's man. Actually, I feel like you make... It's small business owners, you dude. Def- like, you make more money doing it on your own. If not you know not what you're only doing. that, but dude, I feel like just because you have such a close relationship with a client, yep. you're able to tap directly in. Like, I feel like whenever... Yeah, there's, I, no, there's no bureaucratic I, here's, bullshit. Here's, here's the thing. I love working with agencies and I work with them often, but it's definitely a different dynamic. And I'll say that the process feels a lot more streamlined whenever I do the work and deal directly with a client. But on the flip side, there are definitely trade-offs. Whenever I'm dealing with agencies and working through agencies, I don't have to deal with with accounting. I don't have to deal with getting paid. I don't have to deal with invoicing. I don't have to deal with communicating with the client. I literally just do the creative work and I talk to an account manager. Totally true. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes Sometimes it seems like it's more work than it's worth, but it's just, you know, yeah, there's different ways that that it happens and it goes about it. Well, I mean, this goes go back to, to pretty much every every question we discussed tonight or every point that we debated either side of. It comes down to what kind of what you were saying earlier. It just comes down to what do you value as yeah. a as a you know as a creative? Do you want to go work for somebody in house or do you want to work for yourself? I, I mean, always come back to win 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 situations. Yeah, which it's I think it was. I really got to go reread these books so I can remember which one it's from. But I think it's the seven habits of highly effective people. They talk about looking for win-win-win situations. Hmm. Because if it's not a win for everybody, ultimately, if it's if it's any form of a win-lose, ultimately, it's a lose for everybody. Yep. And so wins look like different things sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's really a matter of like figuring out the trade-offs. You know, well, I, had, yeah. I had one friend, Matt Johnson came on one time and he was talking about, we were talking about this. Matt he's, Johnson, I he know He does that, wedding films. What does he do? Wedding films and he's oh, like yeah. a YouTube star doing like tutorial videos and right. reviews. But he talked about how for him, it's like, is the project cool? Is it with cool people? do I make good money from it? Yeah. And he's like, if I can hit two of those things, it's a win for me. Yep. And he's like, coming on the podcast, I'm not making money from it, but it's a cool thing and I'm hanging out with cool people, so it's a win. And so really, it's just like, you got to figure out what the win is for you and figure out how to get a win for you and a win for the client and a win for everybody involved. That's ultimately what I like base my stuff off. That is actually, I've never thought of it that way, but that is actually what I strive for as well. It has to be a win for you and hopefully a win for the client because the, at the end of the day, if it's a win for the client, it's going to end up being a double win for you because yeah. they're going to do a good job with it. My favorite clients are the ones who can take the assets I, I build for them and actually implement them in a, a solid way. You know, not, not people are going to fumble like, what I do. So when yeah. I started freelancing, it was hard because I got myself in a lot of win lose situations. And a lot of it was like, I felt like I had to take the job. And maybe I did. Maybe I needed to learn. Oh, the I've, hard, had plenty, I've had plenty of those. You got to learn the hard way, right? Plenty of those. Yeah. But the truth is that win situations for everybody exist out there. Yeah. And so 
Well, and everybody, while, everybody's while situation we, is going to be different. Yeah. Too. So while you might find yourself in a win lose situation sometimes, and maybe you just got to suck it up and deal with it. And maybe you got to cut a client off because of it sometimes. Just know that ultimately that, totally there, that. that there is hope for like win 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 situations for you out there. Like yep. they exist. You just got to want them and go get them. Oh, nobody. So to follow Casey's point, nobody. <laughs> Oh man, people ask me about this. Nobody is telling you that going out on your own is going to be easier because it definitely is not. There's yeah. There's no way that that's ever going to be possible. It's not just but, sitting around and having fun. Exactly. It's work. It but I mean honestly, okay, here here's the pros before I make that point. I don't ever have to ask for vacation. I have to decide on my own when can I take vacation? How much money am I okay with not making this month or that month or whatever? because I'm taking time off. Okay, deal with it. But you don't have to ask anybody. And every person you answer to, you can 100% fire if you don't like working with them. Within reason. If you sign a contract, it's a little bit different. But it's not like you're not... You're not worried about, oh, do I have to impress everybody in this team because it's my company that I work with? There's no bullshit. You're just straight up with people, right? Right? Yep. And that's the best way. Transparency. Yeah. The downside is you have to deal with all the administrative stuff. You have to take care of all the project details on your own, more or less, unless you start partnering with other people who can take care of that stuff. Uh, So you become project manager, administrative assistant, and glass blower, and you know whatever else you want to be. So I got a question for you. Just joking, Jack. As a shout out to Jack again, <laughs> y'all. So speaking of Jack, I was going to ask: uh, At what point do you feel like it go like a person goes from being a freelancer, quote to quote a studio owner or operator, like or because so for example, like with me, <clears throat> I do everything myself, but recently. I've started having Jack help yeah. me and he is doing a lot of the like administrative stuff for the podcast, scheduling people, emailing and doing all of that stuff. That's a studio. So that's so then, a studio. so then am I a freelancer or do I do freelance work, but I run a studio well, or how do, in your mind, like okay. where's the crossover? What's the, I, to, to answer this question, I have a good story. Uh, I have a friend who's a very talented conceptual thinker and graphic designer who, when he went out on his own, I said, congratulations going on freelance. And he said, no, 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 it's a studio. I have a studio. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I will never call you a freelancer again. The truth is- Was he just by himself at that point? Yeah, okay. just by himself. Okay. Just working out his house, just like I did. And I totally respected that because that was his vision of what he wanted his identity to be. So personally, to answer your question, I- I am kind of a studio. That's why my my handle, my my title is the Schubert the Studio. Schubert Studio, yeah. But for some reason, I'm not really, I'm not lying to anybody. Like, I, the only other person that gets really involved in my work is my fiance. She occasionally checks my colors every once in a while and says, hey, that's not as feminine as you want it to be, or that's not as uh, orange as you want it to be, whatever. But I have no problem with the title freelancer. Because um, at the end of the day, studios... Let me, let me let y'all hear this. Studios come to me, a freelancer, for me to almost 100% handle their concept. 
So what is the distinction? I don't know, Casey. That's actually a okay. very good question. Yeah, it's yeah a question I don't know. I've like, does it really come matter? Across recently, I, and what kind I, of started me yeah. on this thought pattern, this thought trail was, I was there's a producer that I work with, and he only hired like kind of like you were talking about a studio that hires you a studio to freelance, right? Like yeah. I, I always call myself a freelancer, but I get well, hired by yeah. this guy that, that runs a production company and does like production and marketing. And so whenever he has productions, I get hired to fly a drone because I'm a licensed FAA licensed drone operator. I pull, I do audio for him on interviews and I pull focus for B roll for the camera operator and, and all that to say, like we're talking and, and, and he was like, yeah, I don't really like the term freelancer or I don't see, I don't like talk about myself as that. And he, we kind of talked about that a little bit and that kind of really got me thinking about it a little bit. And I was like, man, maybe the term doesn't have the best connotation sometimes. I think it depends on the person. And, it, and, and it's even to the point that I've wondered if maybe the show should be called something other than Freelance Friday and just be like, I don't know. That's not, I'm going to keep it what it is. Mm, but it's been interesting I, to be thinking about that. Some. So, so to answer, to answer that point, I... I prefer the term freelancer because I feel like it keeps me honest, keeps me hungry, keeps me understanding what it is I do. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, they, they have ambitions of becoming a studio. There's three of us. We're a studio now. And that's great. You're great. Have the ambition to, to become a studio. But at the end of the day, isn't everything that everybody does kind of freelance work at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. Kinda. What's the big difference, right? Yeah. What's the big deal? I don't really know what the big deal is. So, I mean, I guess it's not the a biggest, big deal. The guess, I guess the biggest difference would be your pay structure. Could be are the you budgets, a 1099 yeah. or are you a W2 employee? That's true. That's true. Yeah. How many people do you have to, to you feed? On salary or are you on a project well, basis? Okay. So, so here's, so, okay. To get closer to it, the budgets for studios, quotes, are typically bigger than a freelancer, right? Yeah, so, that's true. So, so if, so I hate to, the thing is, I don't like to. Do studios subcontract more though? I think maybe that's part of it too. They do. Yeah, they do. So maybe that's where it's like, maybe a studio is one person, but they're hiring specific photographers or designers per project, and they're more or less what would be considered a general contractor in the construction industry. Yeah. The general contractor isn't actually laying any of the brick or painting any of the walls or any of that stuff. They're, they're, they're facilitating, facilitating. They're the right. liaison between. And so I feel maybe, maybe is that what a studio? Yeah. That kind, kind you of don't, is. You don't and do that and so I've much, had projects right? that I have to, that I have to orchestrate all of that stuff. Photography. Uh, you know, I don't have many projects like this, but I'd say about once or twice a year, I have a big project come my way. I have to work with, um, you know, tchotchkes vendors for like restaurants. You want coasters, you want matches, you want, you want t-shirts, all this stuff. You want photography. Here it is. Printing, et cetera. Yeah, so you, Signage. you do all that stuff. Yeah, right. right, right so right, that, right. at that point you become a studio, but you know, I haven't really thought too much about the actual meaning of the word studio. I, I feel like it just has a social resonance that says uh, studio means it's about five of you at least. Right, yeah, yeah. and it's like a collective of people that. Yeah, that's what I feel whenever I hear it. Yeah, but you know, I don't really get caught up in that because personally, I don't really care. Like, if people think, if if people, I've had emails that come to me that say, "Hey, we really love your you you all's work, y'all's work, or we love the work your studio is doing, and all this stuff." And I, you know, I could say, I could reply and say, "Well, 
it's only me, but I'm glad you think that I'm more than one person. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, most of the time I'm just like, well, yeah, it's just me. And that actually works out in my favor because then people understand exactly what it is I'm charging, exactly what it is I say about timeline. They're like, oh, I get it. It's just you. I'm going to pay you exactly what you want and I'm going to agree to whatever, like, you know, I've had clients be like, hey, uh, I need this in two weeks. And I say, nope, you're going to get it in a month or two months or you can't work with me. And they're like, well, okay, I guess if that's the reality, that's the reality. Yeah. So it just depends on how you play it. It's like poker. It's a fun game. <laughs> was that, that was too much of a point, I think. No. But yeah. There are no right or wrongs. Yeah. We're just here to talk Dude, gotta, about gotta, freelancing. Honestly, you on a Tuesday. You gotta play your hand the best you can. Is that it? what you get for your first gig or what you get for your last gig? Do what you, you can. Is that your uh, is that your quote? Is that something nah, you man, came up with? My quote my quote is definitely this. I don't even have to think about it. I learned it from my first creative director, Dustin Wallace, who probably will never listen to this because he doesn't freelance at all. <laughs> but he was a damn good creative director and he knew what he was doing. He taught me a lot. He said, son, hustle. He was from Lubbock, Texas. Hustle makes muscle. So you put what you want into it, you'll get back. It is what it is, man. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Well, dude. Whether it's time or effort or, you know, the amount of drinks you have with Jack while he's making glass sculptures. It is what it is. <laughs> Dude, this has been fun. It has. So, in wrapping up in just a few seconds, yeah. what, any final thoughts or any final things that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on or anything? Yeah, actually. Um, don't try to be a freelancer. I mean, yeah, try to be a freelancer, but don't think about it too much. If you find yourself working a nine to five and it's not ultimately what you want to do and you can find the time to take it on on the side like freelance work or studio work if you want to make a studio for yourself with uh, yourself or two other people um you know do what feels right and don't think that you have to fit some mold to become a freelancer because success is exactly the balance between what it is you love and what it is you can actually sustain the kind of life that you want to live doing. And that's, that's to me what I have found to be successful. And that's what I would challenge everybody else to, to kind of gauge as their own success. Yeah. You got to find it for yourself. Yeah. There it is. Dude. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. Yeah. Where, just for one last time, where can people find you online? So you can find me on Dribble, uh, Jonathan Schubert, S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. It's the German spelling, not the French. Uh, and you can find me at uh, the Schubert Studio on Instagram. So thanks, Casey. This has been fun. Jack, Dude, Thanks so Casey. much for coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks so much, listeners, for listening and sticking through this with us. Uh, if you would, <laughs> yeah. please please go on iTunes or wherever it is that you have found this podcast and if you leave a rating for me or a review it really helps a it helps other people find the show it helps other people really know what the show's about but also it helps me know and helps Jack and us here the Freelance Friday crew know 
what y'all want because really this show is not about me it's not about us it's to be an educational resource and um a large data resource for for people to learn and gather information from and to take away whatever they you know whatever speaks to them so if there's things that we could do to help you in uh, in your journey i would love to know about that and maybe rating a review is a great way to do that or you can hit us up on instagram at vaycasey v-a-y-c-a-s-e-y thanks so much and we will talk to you next time Freelance Freddy is a VKC production. VKC is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. VKC. Big production value, freelance, agility, and scale.